What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, Uber Lyft Driver and Gig Economy News. Presented by UberLiftDrivers.com, RideshareRodeo.com, WithPara.com. I'm your host, SJ, and we're going to get it on. Okay, so tonight I'm going to do something, or this weekend to do do something a little bit different. Um, It's going to take, this is going to be a part one. But it um, has been a pro- it's been something I've wanted to do myself for a while, and it's a very big undertaking, much bigger than I even thought. However, um, we are going to do a big portion of it tonight, and uh, next week will be the conclusion in the full edited version of this, and it will be completed. And uh, we'll talk a little more about why here in a minute. I don't want to give away a secret here, but um, so. A couple of things before I jump into tonight, though. Um, first of all, I wanted to say uh, happy three-year anniversary to our friends at the Gig Economy Podcast in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Used to be GR Adventures. Um, they do their podcast on uh, Wednesdays. I think you can find them on Facebook, YouTube, um, everywhere. I, I, maybe even off their website and they're everywhere. So, and you can find their links on all socials. So check them out. If you haven't, uh, they're good friends and, uh, stay classy, San Diego. The other thing I want to talk about before we jump into this other thing is something I was seeing this week. So, um, I think a lot of people, and I don't know which social platforms are getting you to hear, but for the listeners on Twitter, and I'm sure that this can apply to, um, you know, to uh, Instagram or to Facebook or to any of the other social platforms in their own right with all that's going on right now. But it's pretty crazy because on Twitter, you can have a, um, you you can track uh, the your followers and people who unfollow you. And I only do it because we get worldwide listenership for uberliftdrivers.com. Um, the rideshare rodeo account at rideshare rodeo on Twitter and rideshare rodeo.com. Um, you know, not as much, but we we're coming up on the four year anniversary, March 1st of ride of uberliftdrivers.com the website and uh and putting out news and all this stuff. So um regardless, Twitter Twitter is a primary one that I use. Um I've said this in the past. I can get my information quick. Um I have people I I can um uh, chat with on there. Uh Facebook just seems a little overwhelming, but what what I really wanted to get to about this guys. Um so anyway, just Twitter, but I know it's going on elsewhere. So in Last week, after the Capitol incident happened, um, the siege, the raid, the riot, whatever you want to call it, um, there was a little break there for maybe a day. I can't remember. And then they and then they suspended Trump's account, and it was supposed to be suspended till the twentieth of January. Uh, on all, I think on all the platforms: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter too. Twitter was last. But Twitter said till the twenty or till after the election, till after the inauguration on the twenty first. I think the other ones might have said they hadn't set a date. But regardless, now all of those accounts have been a, a day or two later. They decided we're just going to shut all these accounts down, and uh, 
Then th- now they're worried about um, attacks on the Capitol buildings around the country uh, on the 20th of January, Inauguration Day. And they've started shutting down accounts. And again, I'm just referring to Twitter, but from what I've talked to other people, this is the same thing, maybe a different way they're going about it. But they started shutting down accounts that were um, too radical or were showing signs of threats. Uh, people who were promoting threats or violence, obviously those accounts were shut down. And if they were pro-Trump or not, they were shut down. So um, then they started shutting down accounts who were uh, involved with groups that they had worried about um, multiple transactions or multiple uh, tweets and replies and likes. They they had a whole analytics thing going for how involved you were into the extremist groups that they were looking at involved who they think are involved in this Trump thing. Now I've said this before. I'm not a Trump fan, but um, I, I have a little bit of a, of a, conflict here with the uh, freedom of speech because let me tell you what happened on Twitter. Um, So going back to the tool that I I use on Twitter, there's a few. It's just an API through there, though, that tells me, and I barely even look at it. I just want to see when I get new users from other countries because we have a lot of worldwide uh, viewership on uberliftdrivers.com. But usually I'll see like, you know, Let's even call it even. 20 new followers this week, uh, 20 unfollow. Now, that's not what it's usually like. Let's say it's like uh, 33 new followers this week, five unfollowed. You know, and you, we all have our own ways of determining who follows you, why, and what an unfollow usually might have been caused by, or are they just uh, an account that just started and got um, frozen, or and were you know were deemed to be off the platform, which would unremove them from your followers. So little things like that. But um, I've been in a pattern where it really just doesn't even ring a bell to me when I see the breakdown for the week come in. But when I saw this breakdown come in yesterday, uh, it had, what was it? 23 new followers and 37 unfollows. And so I haven't had more than, I think, I mean, the last time I remember, I, I don't know for sure exactly the number, but it was not over 15. I have not ever remembered a week since I've used this API that showed 15 unfollows. And that was at a time when I think there was a group who were putting out masks and then tagging things and saying, if you follow these people, they'll follow back. And it was, you know, like, um, like chain mail stuff from back in the day. Um, sometimes those hit too. But other than that, usually double digits don't exist in an unfollow column for me for a week. I mean, even just a few is, is odd. But when I saw this big number, I I had to look into it, and I still hadn't put two and two together. But now I have, and I need to look into the other social platforms and see if this is anything to do. So um, we have uh, uh, somewhere around uh, 2,400 followers on uberliftdrivers.com. So if you talk, if you think about it, we never lose really more than three to five a week, and we usually gain three to five times that a week. So it's, it really, it grows at the right rate, but to lose as many as we did last week, I had to think what's going on. So I looked at 
detailed into the email from the from the API, and I wanted to know, you know, what is this, and uh, and who unfollowed me because you can actually see who did it. Well, I looked, and a lot of people that um, I've known in the Twitter landscape, in my Twitter scene, uh, who read our website, who who chat, who who get involved with our tweets, who who I've emailed with, who I've talked with some of, um, you know, some of them I just recognize, but uh, there was three or four people um, who I'm, who I feel like I know very well. Um, one of them in particular, and I won't say his name, is a uh, Republican. Um, you know, maybe not the biggest Trump man, but he's a Republican. He's never, I, I watch his tweets, see him all the time. Um, just because it's not my cup of tea, like I said, I'm an independent, so I can be on either side. Um, the Trump thing, that that doesn't even make sense to me, though. And I think, you know, there's good Repub- some good Republicans out there who still, you know, believe in a non-Trump system, but believe in their Republican views. This guy's one of them. He's one of the kindest, hardest people I've ever known, um, especially meeting online. And I actually had the uh, privilege of meeting him in person because he and his buddies flew out here for a um, bachelor for his bachelor party to Denver, um, and so I got to actually meet him. And I drove them around while they were here. And it's you know it's re- things like that that are just great. Well, he doesn't ever write hateful stuff. He doesn't jump on board with wanting to to be in part of any kind of extremist things. He's he does rideshare stuff. He talks about rideshare and he's chatting with people about rideshare and he really doesn't get the political views out. I just know that he is because I've known him for a while. Well, he was one of the people on my unfollow list. Now, with everybody, I recognized a couple other names too where I was very surprised. Like, really? Why would he do that? But this guy specifically I knew. I have his phone number, you know, we 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 interact, you know, somewhat you know, every month or so. And, uh, I, I, I got in touch with him and I said, Hey, did you unfollow me or what's going on? And he told me that his Twitter account has been suspended from tweets, um, until, uh, January 21st. Now, he is a, a Trump supporter, but nowhere in his profile does it say, or not a Trump supporter. I'm sorry. Whoa. Sorry about that. He is a Republican, not a Trump supporter. But nowhere in his, so nowhere in his profile does it say Trump supporters. It does, does it say MAGA? Does it say anything that would lead you to believe that? It doesn't even say Republican in there. I just have noticed over the three years I've known him, him getting into the conversation and a Republican view coming out. So it's never like he even outright says it. So some algorithm picked him up and said, no, you're this, you're, you're on suspension. You can DM, but you can't tweet out. And then I started looking, and some of the other people I didn't know, and I won't get into picking on specific people or even using names, but one other guy who I really only, I've never talked with on the phone, but um, I communicate with enough. I, I touched base with him, and I said, hey, did you... I'm not, I saw you unfollowed me. And this isn't something I normally do because I normally don't even notice it, like I said. But these, not only were the, was there a bigger in mouth in one week, but 
it when I looked at the list, it was some people I know and like, and and so I called this person and I said, "Did you un- or you know got in touch with them? Did you unfollow me?" And they said, "No, my account's in lockdown until the twenty first. So that's two confirmed people that I've directly contacted with, and I and I uh, got a DM from another who said, uh, telling me that this had happened, and then I looked. And I saw that their name was on the unfollow list too. It, it, it's really strange. But what it appears to be is not only is social media really breaching some lines here on, uh, on you know, getting involved in political. And I mean, like, I understand that there was an attack, a riot on the Capitol. I am not happy with that, but I don't think it is is the place to make Facebook, Twitter, and Google um, the new Rockefellers of this century. I mean, unlike unlike the Rockefellers and the 1%, if by doing so, allowing uh, Silicon Valley to become the next 1% will make it so that never, ever will there ever be a chance of any kind of equality because if these guys run everything and have more money than everyone, that's a different story than just all the people who have had money, have owned news networks or things like that and tried to influence. This is a much bigger scale and a much bigger problem. And I don't want to relate this to Trump because I am I, I, I hate what he did. I hate that he didn't say stop right away when it was happening, that he paused. And you know, there was a lot about that that I think that even... Even somebody who is a Trump fan can appreciate what I'm saying here, that last week what happened on Wednesday was just wrong. And we're going to leave it at that because I don't want it to be political. But, um, yeah, it appears that, like, if you've mentioned Trump or, if you know, if you even in a joking way said something to the wrong effect, it's picking up your algorithm. And just to be careful, you don't even have to be an extremist and they're suspending your account temporarily. And I think that's very odd. I think it's very wrong. (sighs) Okay. That said, um, this week, uh, I have been working on something for a while and I've really wanted to get this out there. It is the way that the ride I've talked about many different ways that I think rideshare could work to make drivers more money and to make uh, the company more money and to not have so many lawsuits and to not have all the problems and, um, you know, just everything that these rideshare companies have. And so for a while I've wanted to write a here's how I see it type thing. Here's how I see that this could work. My idea. Let's build on it. So I decided last week um, to call it the Rideshare Manifesto, right? Why not? (laughs) So I did, and I started putting it together. Um, I actually have a part of it written, uh, maybe about a third, maybe about a fourth of it. And then I have the content for the rest, but... I was going to have the whole thing done, I hoped, tonight, and my thing tonight was going to be to read it and then to and then to let you digest. But I also was doing research on manifestos. Now, this is done at a comedic level, but it's a comedic reality level when I say manifesto. I'm using it in a way to catch your ear. However, it's how I see the rideshare game should be, 
And so, yes, it is a manifesto, but to be a manifesto, and I learned this and I thought this was kind of odd because I didn't know it, but um, all the way, all the places I was looking it up on, uh, it can be done verbally like I'm doing this right now. However, it does need to be coming from a document or there needs to be a printed document to reference. So, I, again, I've got about a fourth of it done, maybe a third. I can't really tell. But next week, um, I will read the whole document in full. Tonight, what I'm going to do is um, have Marissa Edens read what I've wrote so far because um, people who write their own manifestos and then uh, and read them um, are the Mussolinis or the hardcore dictators and, uh, that I don't want to be affiliated with or Unabomber types, or... <laughs> so I'm going to have her read what I've done, and then her and I are going to have a short discussion on the other side about what just the part that she's going to read tonight. And next week, we will finish this up, and you will get the completed version. And at the same time, as soon as I'm done doing the podcast, the manifesto will be published, the Rideshare Manifesto, on... Uh, uberliftdrivers.com so the next tuesday it'll it'll on uberliftdrivers.com you'll be able to read the whole manifesto full done blah tonight we're gonna have a piece read by marissa and um then a little discussion about what what's going on with this but there's a lot more details that even if we discuss tonight some of this that won't come out until next week that I think will be big pieces, but I want to get, I want to get your tongues wet. I want to get you in, interested and I want to hear your feedback. Um, cause during this next week, if you comment on the thread, I'll be posting tomorrow on uberliftdrivers.com um, about, um, episode 39 that this is rideshare rodeo podcast, episode 39. Um, will be will come out on uberliftdrivers.com tomorrow and at the you know listen to it um, after you've listened to this or whatever if you listen on a different app um, come back over to there and leave some comments leave some ideas if you liked some things let me know if you think some things should be changed but there's only a bit here that gets us started so that the discussion can happen and if i don't hear from any of you then i'll just finish it up myself because i've got the content i just would love to hear from some of you because you might help me put it in a different way nonetheless um I'm going to bring in Marissa now. We're going to read this, and then we're going to talk a little bit about it, and then we're going to uh, have the final version done next week. So hang on, and I'm going to hand this over to Marissa. The Transportation Network Company, TNC, is an app-based rideshare industry, hereafter referred to as rideshare, the details of which are still being defined. Rideshare company investors, such as Lyft or Uber, as well as drivers and companies, all have expectations and responsibilities in order for the service to be sustained. This requires drivers' wage rates be 75% of the money collected from each of the customers for a completed ride, and rideshare companies receiving 25% of the total charge to the customer. Setting the percentage cap at 25% on app-based rideshare companies would allow rideshare drivers to be classified independent contractors. 
providing rideshare drivers with some protections not only saves jobs, it also provides an equitable system for drivers providing the service. App-based rideshare drivers would benefit from three things. Cap the rideshare companies, fee per fare at 25%, protect workers who organize from intimidation or retaliation, and require that company data collection and reporting become public. Uber argues that drivers are independent contractors. This was recently argued by the new law AB5 in California. November 3, 2020, Proposition 22 exempted app-based gig companies from the new AB5 employment law. Proposition 22 cost Uber just over $70 million to get passed, with other states lining up to try to eliminate the right to be an independent contractor. Rideshare companies taking a straight 25% for being a software-as-a-service, SAAS, business would clearly show that rideshare drivers are independent contractors. I think Zoe Tucker's National Employment Law Project conducted at Yale Law School states it best. Workers in these companies are providing the core work, the very essence of the employment relationship. Yet while claiming that workers are independent contractors, the companies try to have it both ways. They often manage the workers as if they were employees, unilaterally setting rates for services, dictating how the services are provided, and screening, testing, training, evaluating, promoting, and disciplining workers based on the standards the company sets. This rideshare manifesto may seem like it is restricting the rideshare company's ability to earn in free market America, when actually it would do the opposite and create profit for the rideshare industry. Rideshare companies have been putting off the inevitable for years, rising prices. Instead, they have subsidized losses in order to undercut their competitors. To be continued. Okay, so that's the beginning of it. Like I said, uh, about, I mean, I'm guesstimating here, but I'm guesstimating based on my notes. So it's about a third, maybe a fourth tops of what the full piece in length will be. And I'm going to try and fine-tune up a couple things, too. But the, I think the purpose, I, I got it pretty far today, I think, that uh, um, where it's going. But there's a lot more parts that we'll be coming into that I don't want to reveal tonight because it'll show how some things can work if you're thinking this sounds too much like AB5. or um, Again, it's for independent contractor status. And it's a way to do this. And one of the things Marissa said um, in the very be- or in the beginning was that you know, or, or actually at the end of where she ended the piece tonight, um, was that it, you know the rideshare company's ability to earn in a free market America. And this is the this is the point that's going to be most attacked on this manifesto as I call it. So, um, it's not though. It's the, for 10 years, these companies haven't made any money. Um, for eight of those years, they weren't public and they were privately funded. So who knows what they were doing with the money. And if it wasn't to do crazy things and, and, you know, when you have a bunch of, uh, virtual capitalists and a non-public company, 
that just one day decided they'd operate in every country in the world and get kicked out 17 times and come back 17 times and be in tons of trouble and get lawsuits slapped on them left and right. Um, who knows? Um, but now looking at refining this and how it will work, you can view it as, well, saying that they can only take 25% is, is you know, I mean, that's semi-socialist or, I mean, you know, it's not, that's not free trade America. Well, you got to look at this a little different and we have to anyway, because app based gig jobs need to be looked at differently because to declare us employees and have all of that go on is just to create a ceiling or a floor pay. And you'll never get more than the floor pay because they'll never get ahead. Just like they haven't in the 10 years, we've never had a profit. Um, and for the last two years, they've been public, still never a profit. And for this, most of this year, a pandemic, or last year, most, and into this year, a pandemic. So, I mean, there's been a lot of things, and there's a lot of departments that are getting knocked off and sold off. But in the end, um, they have to make a profit. Now, if you're thinking the 25% won't allow that, well, it will, because the 25% now actually does have them creating the best gigs out there for you, because... Supply and demand. If you if they have you know too many cars out, you know they they're always the the pricing's dynamic. I mean, you get a fixed price up front when you call for a ride, but we all know that you can look, wait a little bit, and if you're a passenger, you know you kind of see surging. You know it is, but you don't see like how the drivers see it as the surge rate. So you know that sometimes when it's surging. You can just wait a minute, get on 10 minutes later and see if you can get a better price, especially if you take that trip off and, you know, you're in a neighborhood, you know how much it should cost to get home. It's twice as much. You check again in a few minutes. Well, this dynamic pricing model would actually be optimized by this method because for Uber to make money, they would know that they need to make 25% of, the, of, of what they charge the customer, and that needs to be the money they're going to make. So, um, you know, that said, it's, it's, it's better than anything that they've done so far because they haven't made any money. So they will have to price and they've known they've needed to raise the price on customers, on passengers, but they haven't known how to do it instead of chasing each other, the other to the bottom. And as we come out of this pandemic, maybe they can make some money and, to do that, the 25% is great because 75% is the fair amount for the driver, and especially if they're going to remain independent contractors, which is what most drivers I know want. So um, I don't know. Uh, Marissa, what do you think? I thought from the beginning it would be a great plan to do a percentage that the rideshare companies would take. I know... What state was it that was doing something like this? Nine eight nine or something. But they didn't ever get to it. But they didn't ever get to it. Right. I really liked what they were. That's doing. parts of this are in here, but I'm using parts of a bunch of things plus once put together, like I've done in my notes, my parts of what I think needed to happen and exact numbers and exact. Instead of going with, well, if they only took a percentage, like I'm breaking it down to the numbers to think, okay, well, you know, hey, if, if you know, 
Okay. I mean, maybe that has to be argued a bit. I think that sounds about fair because when I first signed up to drive, um, six years ago, I made 85% of the fare. And the transparency was worse than it is now. You couldn't even go dig into a receipt and see what the customer paid. But I didn't need to because I was making way more. Right. <laughs> so, it was the same when I started, but I started in a lower tier because you've been driving longer where I was making 20%. I mean, they were taking 20 and I was making 80. Okay. But nonetheless... Okay, so the numbers are a little different, and that differs market to market when you came on. All that, all those are factors. Right. However, when you came on, that was still the fact, and that was them operating knowing we're taking 20%, she's getting 80 Okay, so, and then they went to this dynamic pricing where they could be taking 20% or they could be taking 80 They could be taking your 80 and leaving you 20 and that's as extreme as I've heard it. And that is not a norm, but a norm is 60. It's, it, it often is over 50% now. Right. So. It definitely, the way that, since they've changed from that 2080 or 1585, I made a lot less as a driver. Duh. In fact, what I would use, <laughs> what I was bringing home in 10 hours when the pricing changed, I was nearly working double to bring in the same money. Double. And you were, but you were primarily Lyft at that point because you're up, in, I've, I've said this before, you're up, Marissa's in Boulder, I'm in Denver. Boulder does have, for some reason, a love for Lyft, even when I used to too. And I've said that on the podcast, so that used to be my favorite until they started following Big Brother. But for some reason, Lyft has always run specials, the campus, all this other stuff that, Uber just doesn't really fight for Boulder as hard. And there seemed to be a lot of ways for you to earn once the shift happened. Like yeah, they, they beefed up the bonus rides or the things happened that didn't quite bring it back to the same level of earning with Lyft, but it made it a little easier in Boulder anyway, to just drive Lyft. Right. They were, they give pay guarantees yeah. that in a place like Boulder where you're doing a lot of very short rides, right? it was, uh, made it worth it to drive Lyft. Right. Uber. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I remember when I, I mean, at the height of mine, I had the pay guarantees all the time, but I always surpassed them. Right. And a lot of times, and I think you and I have even discussed this, it would be kind of near the end too. Like in the beginning, you, you know, you know, you got to do 40 rides to make, $400, let's say, and you get like 10 rides and you're at like 30 bucks, let's say. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, screw it, dude. I'm just going to get the 400. I don't care now. But then by the end, their supposed closest allocation software to the person requesting a ride to the closest driver always seemed to get you to rides that would equal 400 by the time you did the 40 rides. So I'm not sure that works all that right, people. But, no, um... I worked in Boulder a lot of times, but what I did find is that, say I needed 23 rides to get my pay guarantee, and I'd get 22, and then I'd sit you know, at 4 o'clock in the morning and wait almost till 5 when the deadline comes to get my next ride, and inevitably it was to Denver. Right, or so, even I've been stuck in that so gym. I, I could have done a five-minute ride and got my pay guarantee and been done, but instead I'm doing a 40-minute ride 
Right. So I pointed Plus out one type of... minutes late only to make the same amount. I pointed out one line of abuse and you pointed out another. Yes. So there were... T- <laughs> and there's probably more. You guys out there probably have more. So again, what I said in the beginning, please email uberliftdrivers at... Uh, gmail.com rideshare rodeo podcast at gmail.com go to the website uberliftdrivers.com or rideshare rodeo.com um uh preferably uberliftdrivers.com and go tomorrow after this is posted rideshare manifesto part one it will be episode 39 of the rideshare rodeo podcast and and put in your comments you know put in what you thought um what could be added did you like some things did you not like some things i'm a pretty uh I'm a pretty thick-skinned guy, so I can take uh, I can I can take criticism. Just don't be on there swearing at me left and right and all this and that and the other because uh, that I'm not going to reply to or even pay attention to. That's nonsense to me. Um, but if you have something productive to say, even if it's not in line with what I think, I'm you know I'm not one way or the other. I do believe what I believe, but I would love to hear what y'all think. And, uh, I guess the only other thing that, um, you know, I mean, the, the quote that Marissa read that we had in, that I have in the piece is, uh, the Zoe Tucker, I think is a very, very, I really do think it's a very good example. I read a bunch today and I think that that was a very to the point quote that it hit right on the spot with what I needed it to say, the, of being both ways uber you can't have it both ways you can't do all the things that define you as an employer but then want to take all the advantages of having everybody be an independent contractor so there has to be a meet otherwise you guys are going to be in court and there's going to be more in the manifesto about all this stuff you know by if you can determine nationwide that you are a independent contractor um, that you are a software as a service, S-A-A-S, um, which is basically a digital middleman, that you have the, basically you have the connections, Uber, Lyft, Rideshare. Um, since we can't set our own rates, you have the connections for all of the customers. We don't have that. If we did, we wouldn't need you. But you have all of the connections. You don't do any of the work. We do all of the work, including like when you guys run PR stuff that helps you. You never run the stuff that hurts you. Um, I think the masking was a great example of that this summer. You you made sure that we knew what was going on. It didn't happen in any timeline that you said. It was way outside the scope, yet uh, you didn't do anything to the passengers. You didn't tell them at all. So you left us holding the bag for many, many an argument. I've talked to a lot of drivers about this um, because when I ran, when I talked about it on the podcast about a month or two ago, it was one of those weeks I got a lot of emails because people were pissed and they were telling me what it was really like out there and that every passenger didn't know. And you guys had never launched the, the state-of-the-art software you were going to release that was going to be facial recognition. First of all, iPhone already got facial recognition correct, and so did some other places, and they know what they're doing. Uber, you did nothing. You created a circle. The same, you used the same circle, uh, take a, a selfie of yourself to be able to drive to make sure it's you. Uh, 
you just use that same software and said, make sure the mouth's covered. And we, we've proved this before. Um, we've put, I put duct tape on my mouth. I put, um, a beer can in front of my mouth. I moved my hand up in front of my mouth and you said, you know, it said, take a picture of you without your mask. Okay. Okay. It's you. And then you'd hit next, take a picture with your mask on. And I tried all kinds of stuff and I've taken screenshots. It's hilarious. Anything works. Anything. You could put a dog bone in your mouth. It's going to let you drive. doesn't care. It doesn't. It's not any kind of state of the art. It's not uh, technology advanced. It's this whole manifesto when it's done next week. And even probably hopefully from what the parts you heard tonight is headed in a direction where, and I have all my content. I just need to get it together correctly, but it's headed in a direction where Uber can stop the bleeding They've already sold off Autonomous. They've sold off Micromobility. They've sold off Elevate slash Uber Air. Not they're going to. All of them are now sold off. They don't have anything to do with any. So that's huge. But Uber's going to need to um, handle this independent contractor slash employee issue because just because they narrowly averted uh, a crisis in California... Um, as I've mentioned many times now there's, so there's 1.5 million gig workers in the state of California of what are considered gig workers. And what was it like six or 700,000, 600,000 of those are app based. They got, um, prop 22 took them as exempt from AB five leaving all the people who have been independent contractors for 20, 30 years who are true independent contractors, what the word was created for. They, they've done it always the same. They declare their taxes correctly, all that. They were the ones who are still now um, bound to AB5, and the app base got out of it with Prop 22. It should that AB5 should now be eliminated. I mean... Gail Gordon, I refer to this all the time, episode 26, if you go back, we had a great discussion. She was a nonprofit uh, opera house who was affected by AB5. She didn't know what the outcome would be. We thought that after Prop 22, I had asked her in that interview what would happen, and she said that um, she didn't know. She didn't know that if Prop 22 passed, what that would do to her. Well, three days ago, I saw that she has closed her business for good. So AB5 has put her out of business, and uh, and if you listen to episode 26, it's a really, knowing that she went out of business now, not just that she was waiting to see what happened with all this, will make you extremely sad and extremely upset at the leaders of California. So I, I tell all of you to go listen to it. Hopefully most of you have. If you haven't and you and you like the podcast and you come back and you listen every week, it's it's definitely an episode to go listen to. Um, and, uh, yeah, next week we will have the, the full rideshare manifesto. Um, Marissa will read it in its entirety. I was asking her if she could come back to the, to our home studio here, uh, next week. But even if she can't, I will find a way to tie her in from where she is. We'll, we'll get it done. I'm going to have her read it again, just cause again, like I said in the beginning, I, I, 
only only dictators write and read their own manifestos, and I don't feel like pounding my hands and waving my arms and yelling at you. So um, I'll have her read it because that seemed a lot nicer. And again, the manifesto is just a play on comedy, but it, this is a reality. So um, did it make last before I let you go and before I sign off here? Did it make? Do you understand? And does it make sense? The twenty five percent. Definitely. I mean, do you sense. do you agree or do you think that it, it it's instant because it will draw some attention of just people who barely read the thing and go, wait a minute. And they'll say, you can't tell companies what to make, but it's because this is much different. We're moving into different things now. Right. Well, it's not exactly telling companies what they will make. As you said, it is they get to set their own prices, so they get to set what they're going to make. Other, because so, otherwise they have to let us set them, right? Or else we can't be independent contractors, and that's just one step. This, if they did something like this, if when I'm done, even some of this was adapted, or other people out there listening help me tweak it, Marissa, if you help me tweak it, if we get this thing down, this makes sense because people can read it as twenty five percent, but that's twenty five percent of what you charge the customer. So just like any business. You, you start to learn what you know you need to make money. What do you need to break even? And then what do you need to make to make money? And that should be how you set your pricing. I mean, you can't do any worse. You've never made any money at all. Lyft and Uber have never made money. There was one quarter that uh, some people defend. It was about three years ago. I haven't really heard this defense in years. Usually when I say they've never made money, people just let it go because a lot of people don't remember this from three years ago. But there was one quarter at the end of a year where they sold off a bunch of stuff. And it was basically selling off departments that put them barely into a profit for one quarter. But the overall for the year was way down. And again, if you go year to year, absolute never a profit. And major losses. Major so, do you what 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 do you think might be coming down the pipeline with the rest of the manifesto, or what are what are things that Marissa that you you think could be included in this? Wow, um, I mean, I see where you're going now with the split. Uh, I assume that you're going to further defend that stance. Yeah. Um, but it, see, the way I'm doing it is a manifesto. This is why I kept going back and redoing this because it's not like I can say things like, you know, you can't slam it a manifesto. Your way of doing it is sucked. So this is why we're going to. It's more. That's why I did it dictator style because it needs. But yet it's for the people. It's not for a dictator in a, in a communist country. This is what will help the drivers, this manifesto. But it also will help Uber if they run it right. Now, if they were still off the books and they weren't public, I would understand why they would just want this burned and me never to talk about this again. <laughs> but they're a public company now. They've sold off all the other divisions. They have to, um, they have to keep in line with SEC regulations. They are their books are already looked at, which is something I'm requesting in here. Transparency, um, and I think it helps them and all their, you know, maybe not every one, but many of their legal battles. It will help 
all the bad PR that they have to put out the fake good PR to people to make up for when a driver gets killed or a passenger gets killed. They invent some stupid thing that's never going to happen that makes them sound like these great companies and, you know, and then they never do it. And it's just to bury that story because when a driver dies, it runs in one paper for one day. When a passenger dies, it depends on... um, is she a college student and they're going to run it for weeks across the country? Or is it somebody who was drunk and in their forties and, um, Utah and they'll maybe run it for a couple of days, but drivers never get any story run on them. So it's so all, the, all these, all these go away. The only thing that I will say that is in the manifesto, which is part of the reason why I couldn't finish it today is because, and I will have to show you, Marissa. Maybe you'll even help me figure it out. But there's an issue about insurance. Because even as an SAAS, the transportation networks will need to be covering their own ass. Even though they're not in your car, they're placing you with other people. So there's still an insurance cost. So when I first broke it down, I was doing this, the same percentage. Uber would pay 25%. And contract with one company, like State Farm, Progressive, something like that. Partner with one, maybe two companies. And they would pay like the 25%, whatever might level it out to whatever they do now. And then the drivers would pay the rest, which would actually cut their insurance bill a little. But the requirement here then would be through the two companies, let's say that they allowed, or even if it's through all insurance companies, let's say, the the caveat here would be that to optimize that deal, you have to get insurance and that Uber will cover that little 25%. I'm trying to find a way to word this, but in the end, the one good thing is the huge thing is that it will make you have commercial insurance, which I don't know, 10% of the drivers out there have. And they all should have, you need it. If you get into a crash and you have a passenger, we had legal rideshare on episode 30. He talked about that. He said, one of the first things that we tell you, if you call us is, do you have commercial insurance? If they say, no, we still help them. But if the amount goes above your coverage amounts, that's on you. Uber loves to not help you. That's and that's what Bryant Greening said. He, you know, it's hidden in it's it's hidden in weird dialect, cryptic, inside of a long form that the drivers click. I agree, and it says that if you don't have this insurance and he even said that they don't call it commercial insurance they refer to it as like a three name thing that confuses people it's a dated way of saying commercial insurance even though they know that they should say commercial insurance they don't want you to have it because if you don't and you get in an accident all they do is have lost a driver you're on the hook for all of it and most likely he even said if you're not covering if you're not carrying the commercial and he said this isn't he said it's a market to market state to state insurance provider thing that is determined by all of those factors but most likely and the and whatever happened that you're needing to call them for while you're doing rideshare most likely even your insurance isn't going to pick up any portion so most likely the whole thing is going to be on you 
And when I said to Bryant, when I checked years ago, commercial insurance was, you know, it was a chunk more. And he said, he told me that, you know, insurance varies for everybody. He said, I know. He said, so let's take like Allstate. He said, you know, you might get a rate of, um, you know, you're paying $700 a year for just auto insurance, right? Me. And that he might get a rate of 400. We're in different markets uh, and different backgrounds that determine all this stuff. But he basically was saying that, you know, you can expect commercial insurance should be, he said about 10, no more than 15% more than what you pay now. Now, I remember it being like 50% more. If you paid 100, you were going to now pay 150. But the way he's saying it, if you're paying 100, you're going to pay 110. Now, I think it's worth $10, people, to not get to not owe somebody for the rest of your life 4.5 million. I don't know. That's just me. Um, Marissa, thanks for coming on, and we'll see you back here next week. Uh, everybody else, thanks for listening. And next week will be the full breakdown, and uh, and it will be posted in writing as well. And I would I, I want this to continue. And then after that, the week after, we have um, a uh, we have a rideshare driver slash. Uh, podcaster i believe but i know he runs a large tech uh rideshare um micro mobility all that uh news newspaper online in london and it's all kind of a lot of autonomous stuff and based around a lot of rideshare and legals and a lot of the same kind of stuff we do so we're going to have an across the pond conversation two weeks out But next week will be the conclusion of this, and please come back and join us for that. Thanks again for listening, and uh, see you back here next week on the rodeo.